the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Welcome to XR Star, your monthly podcast where we talk all things extended reality and metaverse. I'm your host, futurist Amelia Coleman. Whether you're a regular listener or this is your first time, you're probably here because you recognize that XR, virtual, augmented, and mixed realities, are rapidly shaping whole new industries and the pace of adoption is only going to increase. In the area of AEC, architecture, engineering, and construction, we're already seeing XR significantly accelerate processes and increase cost savings. AR headsets offer a hands-free solution that can help maximize productivity and improve workplace safety. You may have heard about the Trimble XR10, which integrates an industry standard hard hat with the HoloLens 2 and is certified for use in safety controlled environments. In construction, it enables visualization of full-scale models in a real-world context and the ability to interact with designs and data. Architectural companies are using AR to modernize quality control and class detection clash detection. With XR, UK-based mechanical services company Price Building Services were able to detect clashes with ductwork, pipework, heating, and drainage previous to breaking ground. This ultimately led to savings in time, resources, and money. Using AR in this way also means that they can show their client photographic proof of their high standards and quality control. Another example is PTC's Vuforia Studio, which transforms existing CAD and IoT data into AR experiences for training, instructions, and visualizations. They've reported up to 40% impro improvements in new employee productivity, 50% reductions in cost of training, and 25% reductions in material scrap. To share with us more about how XR is transforming not just the production side of architecture, but also the visualization and design phases, today I am thrilled to be joined by Sydney Phillips, co-founder and CEO of Zook AR. Zook AR is a leading augmented reality platform for architecture, engineering, and construction. They bring the industry into the metaverse by transforming 3D architectural spaces into interactive AR experiences designed for communication and marketing. Welcome, Sydney. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, thank you for having me. I am thrilled to be on and kind of talking more about XR with you. Um, I, of course, checked out your podcast a couple of weeks prior, kind of as we were talking about this, um, and was hooked. So I've listened, <laughs> I've listened to all of them thus far, um, and I'm really excited to be on here with you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to have you. So just to begin, for those who don't know you yet, um, can you fill us in a bit about your background and how Zook AR came to be? 
Yeah, yeah. I call myself a serial entrepreneur, inventor, and futurist, mainly because I, like you, am very focused on where the world is heading and how we can drive the ship to where we want it to um, arrive to, what we want the world to look like. Um, I've been starting businesses since I was 14. I uh, started my first one at 14. I'm on number seven now with Zook AR. And Zook came to be because I was in the middle of a commercial real estate development project where we were developing office and hotel and retail. Um, and three months after uh, I joined that project and started that development, um, COVID hit. And so, of course, the entire world changed. I had time to kind of sit down and think more about how, um, you know, the world of space was going to change um, in terms of, you know, commercial real estate, architecture, design, construction, um, and started Zook with 16 whiteboards in my living room during the first four weeks of COVID. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So one thing that strikes me, especially around architecture, engineering, and construction, is how many opportunities there are for XR technologies from the initial conception phase of projects all the way through to post-completion and maintenance. Can you talk us through some of those opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest one whenever someone is first starting out is all of these um, I normally separate them into two different buckets, right? So design focused and then kind of marketing focused, kind of this communication piece where you're describing to people what you're building and then the design focus, which is more internally, you know, what you're building, which way the building is facing, where does the sun rise and fall, those kinds of things. Um, obviously, I think design has a huge play in how we will design architecture and buildings and homes. Um, by using AR and VR so that we can we can virtually walk through tours, which I can get to that. It's a little bit about what we do. Um, and of course, you know, the marketing side, there's tons of people that you talk to um, when you're building a building. So uh, you normally start out with city approvals. You know, you've got um, you've got to go to city councils, go get approvals for whatever building you want to build. Um, and a lot of times these, these are people that may or may not know how to read an architecture plan. They're not always architecture degrees or grads. Um, they may just be a volunteer. Uh, they may just be an urban planner, totally depends. So you're working with all kinds of different skill sets and everyone needs to understand the vision and what you're trying to build. Um, so I think one of the first use cases is this zoning and building approvals from city councils just to be able to build what you want to build. Um, I think the next great use for AR and VR in AEC industry is investing. So there's a lot of funds where they go and raise a bunch of money from, you know, maybe 50 or even a thousand different investors. And for that many people to understand what you're building when you take them out to just a bunch of land and you're like, can you imagine what it's going to be? It's, it's really, um, <laughs> hard for a lot of people to just imagine a building and you take them out to a land site. Right. Um, so it's great for those people to use as well. You could have a little plaque with a QR code. They go out to the land site, scan the QR code, and then they can instantly see the augmented reality version of the product. Or you could, you know, have a couple of headsets in your office and offer them a, you know, full virtual reality immersive tour. Um, 
I think the next great use is pre-sales. So in the same way that you can raise money, you can get people on board with your vision. Um, you can also use this to actually sell before you build, which there is a lot of risk in commercial real estate development. You're building, you know, five, five million is probably the cheapest up to, you know, 500 million or even billion dollar projects in major cities. Um, to be able to have a little bit of pre-sales and revenue beforehand and not have just these loans from the bank or from you know investors uh, takes a lot of the weight off of the, the, the developer and the architects and the team. Amazing, yes, those are so cool. And, and I know that Zook AR covers some of those. Could you walk us through a bit how Zook AR works? Yeah, absolutely. So we mainly work with architectural 3D models. So architects have been creating these 3D models for years. This is not new. Um, they're already using, you know, softwares like Revit and SketchUp and Rhino and AutoCAD. So they're already drawing up these 3D models. Now, here's the crazy part. Now, currently, they're taking 2D pictures of their 3D models and then putting that on a paper, which makes no sense to me why you would even 3D model it. Makes no sense. Um, what we are doing is taking those 3D models that they are already making. We're just putting in a little integration um, to where we can export everything that they're already making on those softwares and turn it into augmented reality and virtual reality experiences that they could share endlessly with all kinds of different people um, with either a QR code, just an email, um, or even a shared invite to join them in VR so that they could virtually tour these spaces. And it doesn't require much expertise when it comes to technical skills prior to getting on the app, right? No, no, no. Um, most of these architectural softwares, they look like a switch panel of, um, it looks like you're about to fly a plane. Like there are a thousand gadgets on, on the software and all of them have just like this tiny little button and you have to know what it does. Ours is super, super simple, has a couple of features and functions. It's mainly for the people that aren't architects, but that the architects are trying to explain their project to. Um, it can even be down to clients. I mean, you know, if, if a client is building a um, hotel or even if they're building a custom home, they're, they didn't go to architecture school. They don't know how to read your 2D, you know, drawings. And even if you 3D modeled that and you took a picture of your 3D models, it's just kind of a, a fossil fuel or it's kind of an old way of doing things. Um, so I think that, you know, the the 3D modeling that has already gone on has really pushed for AR and VR to be at the forefront of the AEC industry right now. We've already kind of had this precursor, which makes our adoption a little easier. And you mentioned some of your clients. Wondering if um, you can share a bit about, you know, the specific kind of problems that they're having that they come to you for the solution for, and if there's any maybe case studies that you can share. Yeah, yeah. We worked with um, Westar Development out in Kansas City, um, and we did our pilot with them for AR. We mainly worked with them for pre-sales um, and for investment fundraising. They loved being able to just like tap into the space, show people what they were building. Um, it did take a little bit of a hiccup of kind of showing people how to navigate the models of how to scale them, make them smaller, kind of this transition between like a tabletop kind of use that you would maybe use in like a conference room um, where you're all sitting at a table together and you're just looking over the project as opposed to a fully immersive. 
um, which is where we got the feedback to go ahead and start building virtual reality. Um, so we haven't tested virtual reality um, with our pilots or with you know case studies, um, but we have done that AR and they have mostly been used in pre-sales and the funding. Cool, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I know about your industry, and it's I think the same with many other industries when it comes to XR, is this term about pilot purgatory. And this is when companies are happy to test bed new technologies, but then when it comes to actually integrating them into their best practices, things slow down or stall completely. I'm wondering if you've run into this at all and are things shifting? How do you deal with this? Do you have any advice for people who might be running into this as well? Yeah, you know, the first year, I think we definitely struggled with this. Um, so that year of 2020 to the very beginning of 2021, we definitely struggled with this. Um, people thought that it was really fascinating and then they couldn't grapple how this worked into their workflow. Um, and they couldn't understand, you know, how else this was used rather than just marketing. Um, they kind of saw it as like a one-shop stop. This only affects this one department and then no one else touch it. Um, I think after 2021, this education about the metaverse, I mean, right, every time, I don't know if it's just because I follow a lot of metaverse leaders, but um, every time that you open LinkedIn, there is a floodgate of in information about, you know, the metaverse, AR, VR. Um, I just think that it has had an, its explosive moment in the last year where I'm having to do far less education about how this can be used. Um, and the people that I'm talking to, they understand it very quickly. They're like, oh, you do AR and VR for real estate or the AEC industry. Got it. I know how I do use you. Um, because there's already this research out there that I didn't necessarily have to do as the company or as the CEO to kind of, you know, brief them. Um, so I think we're getting out of pilot purgatory in the last year with all of the education and the resources that other, you know, futurists and metaverse leaders and books are coming out. Um, now that being said, most of the AEC industry is also, um, I mean, I think it's like 42% are baby boomers. So there's a part of our industry where, you know, it's not expected that you're gonna capture their interest. Um, they have no interest in putting on a headset and that is totally fine. Um, I tend to waver on the best salespeople are not the pushy salespeople, they are the quiet ones that listen to you. Um, so if that's something that you're really interested in implementing, I will help you, I will come to you. Um, you know, I've gone on site and traveled to make sure that everyone you know, in the company understood how this was used and could use it. Um, but at the same time, it comes down to, you know, their willingness to, to actually use it. And if they're going to pay for it, they might as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's one thing that's really exciting is, is we can see the costs coming down in the next couple of years. You know, every major tech company is working on an AR headset and also being able to kind of push it all the processing and the computing to the cloud means that the headsets themselves are going to get lighter. They're going to get, um, more affordable, more stylish, all these kind of things. And I also think that, you know, around 2025, when Gen Z is entering the workforce, you know, they're going to have a big impact on what is expected when it comes to communication and marketing. And, uh, and I think, you know, it, it still is gradual, but it's definitely um, happening 
And, um, and it's awesome that you guys are right at the forefront of that. I think that's really great. I definitely take a lot of time to go to um, universities as well and speak to, you know, undergrad and grads that are in architecture programs, um, because I think that it's really exciting to talk to them as well. I mean, this is our future of building. Um, and I get really excited to go on campuses and talk to kind of these undergrads and grads that are just coming in so that whenever they go to their companies, they can share these ideas and be like, hey, this is what I need. Um, and in turn, you know, I find that their bosses are way more willing to listen to, um, you know, someone coming into the company that is like, hey, I found this really cool technology. I think we could use it in these ways. And it's someone that kind of understands it, that's working on the inside. Um, so I'm really excited to work with undergrads and grads as well of kind of showing them what the future of architecture could look like, how we could build, um, even the now of architecture. Yeah. Well, I think when people start to get in there, they'll recognize that the opportunity to accelerate the process and kind of it's actually making their job easier. So at the end of the day, people are going to respond to that, right? You know, that it, it's a bit of a, yeah, it's, it's a tool that is helping our lives, you know? So, so while there's lots of opportunities that we know about, there's also always risk, which you mentioned earlier. And, you know, for instance, I think of things like, you know, if people are starting to make these multi-million dollar decisions based on AR models, is there a risk that when the the that the ar developer could be liable if there's discrepancies or somebody's not happy with the final result what what kind of potential risks are you looking at and should we all be aware of yeah i don't think to answer your question i don't think there's any liability in terms of augmented and virtual reality models um being held accountable for certain design plans um it's mostly understood that ar and vr is a tool um, not the actual, you know, physical product itself, at least in my industry of AEC. Now I know that some like virtual worlds are a little bit different because you're buying land that's, you know, virtual and on this certain world, like super world or sandbox or whatever it is. Um, but I would say it's generally very well known that in the AEC industry, that model could change at any point. And that's kind of the point is that they want this tool that they could tweak and change the window and rotate the lighting to where, you know, whenever they wake up, the sun rises in their bedroom and it falls in the dining room. Um, so those kinds of things are really well understood to just be a tool and not necessarily liable for. Now, the risk that I kind of see um is the not so much the actual product but i guess the wording and the use of ar and vr and real estate um it is not my belief and that this is also coming from someone that came from the aec and commercial real estate industry so i worked with physical real estate for a long time um it is not my belief that the augmented virtual reality versions um, will replace physical real estate. So I'm very much so in the opinion that, you know, digital is an addition to the physical, um, even if it comes before, during, or it helps communicate the physical property, it's an addition to whatever real estate is being built in the physical world. So I kind of like the, I forget who coined this term. It might be Kathy Hackle, um, but I believe she said, you know, fid physical, Fidgetal, which is like this mix of physical and digital, which I love. 
Yeah, very cool. And I absolutely agree. I mean, I think, you know, you have your physical property and then we're going to have these digital overlays on top of it. And then in addition to this, we also have land in the metaverse. So with the growth of the Web3 metaverse platforms like the Sandbox and Decentraland, Otherworld, Earth2, there's opportunities for companies to now take their digital twins and move them onto an NFT property that they can own and then create new revenue streams on. And is this something that your clients are starting to look into? And, and how do you think this is going to impact the future of your industry? Yeah, um, I think this is a twofold question. So virtual real estate land, yes, they are very interested in this. They're very interested in taking um, the 3D model that we generate from augmented virtual reality um, that they're able to physically walk through, those kinds of things. They really want to put this onto a virtual world and then onto a land so that they have two different sites, right? They have the physical, the digital, they can host like digital events in the metaverse with their same property. It's great marketing because it's the same layout um, and it's zero extra work. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to make two different revenue streams from the same piece of work, right? Um, so I do see that. Now, I will say in the AEC industry, I think that they, NFTs were really like this first wave of the metaverse. Um, I think it was like early 2020, 2021. Um, NFTs were all the rage. And I, I think that overall, the commercial real estate and AEC industry are very conservative and they do not hop on board very fast. <laughs> Um, and I think as a result, they were able to see kind of like this downfall crash of, of some of the NFTs. Um, now, I also think that that's, you know, kind of contributed to um, some of the cynicism around it. Um, whenever I say metaverse versus AR and VR, I get very different reactions, which are interesting um, to kind of work out branding and marketing with those things. But um, I would say that they are not interested in NFTs. They are interested in virtual worlds, which is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, can you just elaborate a bit more about like their different reaction between talking about AR and VR versus the metaverse? I'm just curious to know more yeah. about what you're seeing. Yeah. When I say the metaverse, um, I would say the first things that come to mind are people are like, oh, you have a crypto company or they ask me if I have an NFT company. So um, when I say metaverse, they think crypto, NFT, and they're like, oh, it's a scam. Um, because a lot of them lost money in some of the Terra blockchain. Um, a lot of them, you know, kind of did some of the early investing into, at least the architects. The architects did some, you know, early investing into like some NFTs and they may have like lost a couple or um, don't totally understand how this thing works and how they trade value. Um, so I would say, um, they're a little bit burned by the word metaverse. If I say metaverse, they immediately think of those two things and they're like, oh, that's a little like fishy. Um, that's too tech related to impact me is they kind of push it off. Um, now if I say AR and VR, um, they, like I said, I think the 
online has done so much work for me in terms of education um, that they can immediately see the use case for AR and VR because there are so many use cases of videos and um, whatever else of physical products and of physical real estate online. Um, so AR and VR gets a far better reaction than if I say metaverse. That's really interesting. I do yeah. think that there's there's a bit around the education curve there because, you know, we've been talking about AR, VR since like, what, 2012, 2013. So it's taken people about 10 years to wrap their heads around it. They're getting it now. And I think the metaverse, you know, it's still sort of a new term. I mean, I've been talking about it since about 2017, but the definition has changed and you know and and now with zuckerberg throwing his hat in everything and everybody's a bit confused and that doesn't help does it you know um not having kind of a clear message around what the metaverse actually is and what it looks like and the role the opportunities etc so that is something but i think we're still probably in the beginning phase of that and you know hopefully since we're maybe about five years into it five years from now everybody's going to have a better idea about what it is and what it looks like. And, um, and yeah, so actually speaking of the future, with your futurist hat on, what do you think the, the industry is going to look like 10 years from now? What kind of roles do you think AR, VR is going to be playing in our lives then? You know, I'm really excited about the hardware. Um, I am sick of carrying around this little block called the phone. Um, and I think this will be absolutely dated. Like my nieces and nephews will look at this and be like, oh my gosh, you carried a phone around with you all the time. <laughs> kind of like how we look at our parents and we're like, you had a car phone, what? Um, so I think it's really interesting um, to see the advances of hardware. Um, I've been following um, some of them. Personally, I think Apple AR glasses will be the thing to kind of make it go more mainstream. Um, and I think a lot of the big players like Google, Apple, Facebook will probably focus more on the hardware just because it's so cost intensive to do these kinds of things and do them well. Um, as we've seen with some of the VR headsets, you know, have a little bit of motion sickness after a little bit. I know that, you know, Magic Leap kind of struggled with that in the beginning years. They've gotten way better um, with their headsets and some of the, the motion sickness after an hour or two. But um, I'm really excited about the hardware of AR glasses. Um, I also think in the next 10 years, you know, I think this is really hitting enterprise first. I've seen a lot of like companies kind of focus on this in terms of, you know, training and AEC industry um, and product design is kind of where I'm seeing AR and VR probably the most. Num at least pure number of companies um, generated around those use cases, um, which kind of fall under enterprise. But I'm really excited in the next 10 years. I think consumers will take over, um, you know, and really rapidly advance this um, to some of the industries that may be more antiquated, um, old school. Um, the consumers will actually adopt it faster than some of these old school enterprises and then make the old school ones adopt it. So I think kind of the more future forward enterprises first, consumers, and then consumers will drive these old school industries into um, the metaverse and XR and AR. Nice, I like yeah. that. Yeah, and totally agree about hardware. And it does also come down to those killer use cases. I think there's yeah. still, 
you know, that kind of like, well, you know, what is it going to do that I can't already do? And, you know, companies like yours, like Zook AR, are giving them those killer use cases that are showing people like this is what's possible and setting mm -hmm. the example. And so I commend you for that. Thank you. <laughs> so looking at the bigger picture of XR, metaverse, blockchain, Web3, um, what is your biggest hope for the future? And what is your biggest fear? Well, I think a lot about my biggest hope. So I'm glad you asked this because uh, this is something that I focus on every Monday. Um, I revisit what this is all for, um, what the purpose of this is and what we're trying to build from the very beginning. So um, I would describe myself first, you know, I, I said serial entrepreneur, inventor, futurist, but most of all, I'm a creative. I'm an artist. I like to create things. I am constantly building businesses and art. Um, and I tend to believe that life really does imitate art. Um, my hope is that we can kind of have a place of no bounds. We can have a place where we're free to imagine what what you know different solutions are to these really big world problems that millennials and gen z are facing head on right now um and that make our our future look a little scary and so i'm really excited and i'm really hopeful that we can use the metaverse and xr um to imagine solutions for these different world problems and to try to create some version of a utopia because i truly believe that if we can create some version of a world, even if it's a virtual world, that is utopia-like, we can take out different things from it and put it into our physical world. Um, for instance, I think DAOs are just incredible. Um, there is so much social good um, that is neglected from you know profit, and I think that we, we forget it a lot whenever we're building businesses, and I would love to see a social good DAO um, for things like you know motherhood or um, cleaning the planet or, or tons of different things that just are not rewarded, um, by profit. Um, and so I think that my biggest hope is that we can use the metaverse to kind of create this most beautiful art form and utopia like world where some of it may infiltrate our real world. Um, Biggest fear, I don't like to think about this a lot because it scares me. Um, biggest fear is that Web3 kind of gets built too similarly to Web 2.0. Um, I'm very focused as, you know, I started um, Women in the Metaverse, which you were one of our very first graduating class in our top 25 Women in the Metaverse. Um, we started that primarily, be I know, woo woo. We started that primarily because <laughs> I wanted to see Web3 built by all kinds of different people that was representative of the world. And I think Web 2.0 um, has had a very specific look, <laughs> so to say, um, and very few people have been able to succeed in it because it was a venture capital game, um, which is why I'm very open about not raising venture capital and about bootstrapping. And I'm very honest about, you know, kind of how I do that, how I manage a team like that. Um, and my hope, my biggest fear, I guess, is that web 3.0 gets built too similar to web 2.0 and people are left out of the table, which I'm determined to make sure mm -hmm. that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, and you're doing it and I really appreciate that. Thank you. I think that, um, that's a lovely kind of sentiment to, to end on that kind of 
idea that it has the opportunity to be inclusive and diverse and create more quality in a world that, um, that has traditionally been pretty unequal. So thank yeah. you. So finally, if our listeners want to speak to you more or get involved with Zoo Gay R, where's the best place for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, um, our website is zookr.com, um, and we are also on LinkedIn. We're on LinkedIn a lot. That's our like social media platform. Um, so you can follow the company zookr on LinkedIn. You can also get a hold of me at Real Sydney Phillips on LinkedIn as well. Thank you so much, Sydney, and thank you all so much for watching. Please join us again next month. Take care. Oh, no.